0: Asymmetrical Haircuts Justice Update with Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg.
1: All right. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Janet. Big news this week from the International Criminal
2: Court. Yeah, a long-running uh, Darfur uh, fugitive, who was way back from when it was referred in two thousand, um, early 2000s. He, his arrest warrant came in 2005, and now Ali Kushaib uh, apparently turned up in the Central African Republic, where he walked in uh, to the UN forces and turned himself in. So who is he Exactly. He is, according to the court, he's a big Janjaweed uh, militia leader. And the Janjaweed were the militia who kind of helped the Sudanese government crack down on the four and other ethnic uh, minorities in Darfur. And according to the, to the arrest warrant, he was really the go-between between the militias that were carrying
1: out atrocities on the ground and the government in Khartoum. And what does the court intend to try and charge him with? What, what are their allegations against him? The
2: arrest warrant has about uh, 50 charges, war crimes and crimes against humanity. Uh, It basically runs the gamut of persecution, uh, forcible transfer, murder, rape, torture, all the kind of things that you can imagine happened in Darfur. The only thing he hasn't been charged with is genocide, which other people in the Darfur conflict has been charged with. So he is only war crimes and crimes against humanity. I guess they felt they couldn't prove uh, genocidal intent on his side.
1: Just to try and um, understand a bit about the significance of this, we're now joined by Amal Nassar. Amal, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Amal. You work for the Fédération Internationale des Droits de l'Homme, the International Federation for Human Rights Leagues, and so strong NGO background. I imagine your thoughts are with the victims in Darfur at this point.
0: What What are you hearing about what it means for them? we haven't yet been able to to be on the ground and engage with uh, with victim communities and with victims that we've in previously engaged with but this this transfer and yesterday's uh, developments have been received very well by our partners and the civil society organizations that we work with in Sudan and on Darfur who have been living in exile uh, since the Darfur crisis and the ICC investigation started. It's, it's extremely significant, this transfer, particularly as Stephanie said, he's been a fugitive uh, since 2007. So yesterday ends that long run and finally forces him to face the crimes that he's allegedly responsible for uh, that were committed in Darfur in between 2003 and 2004. And indeed, these um, alleged crimes are very serious. They were committed in a very bloody conflict that continues to change the lives of people in Darfur to this very day. Many of the victims and the affected communities continue to live in refugee camps and neighboring countries. So things never went back to normal, really.
2: So this will be the court's first possible Darfur case, if the charges are confirmed. How are they going to tackle it? This investigation is uh, long ago. It was done by the first uh, prosecutor, Luis Moreno Ocampo. Um, We have seen other cases by him where there was a lot of criticism about how it was done. How is the, the court going to tackle this? And how do you think they'll be able to connect him to the crimes on
0: the ground? This is, um, I think, everyone's question, but I do think that it's the assumption that the court will have to investigate or will have to start investigating now is a bit um, misplaced, because as you, as you may know, the court has had an investigation team on that for working and active for the past. Five, six, uh, or even since the initiation of the investigation in Darfur. So they have been investigating. They've been investigating the situation as a whole. Now, of course, they have to investigate uh, further and specifically uh, for this case, uh, leading up to the, to the hearing and the confirmation of charges. I think the main difficulties now, of course, there's always the difficulty of establishing linkage uh, between the accused, the defendant and and the crimes. But I think the circumstances that we're in, particularly that this, um, this accelerated investigations before the hearing takes place, will have to take place in the context of a pandemic where travel is restricted. Uh, in a context where resources are quite limited at the court, and there's even uh, further uh, risk of the of the resources even even being more limited with uh, more budgetary cuts, also as a result of the of the COVID pandemic, but I do think that uh, the court has been investigating, and there is uh, a substantial uh, information that has been the impetus for the arrest warrant itself. Um, and who knows, we might see additional charges um, added to the to. To, to to the long list of fifty charges that he is facing.
2: But you're saying they are investigating Darfur, but they haven't been able to get into Darfur for, for a very
0: long time. Are they? Have they actually been on the ground by now? I believe that the ICC investigation team has never been in in Darfur, and of course, this is not something I'm, I'm I verified. But I, uh, if you recall. Shortly after the investigation uh, was opened, there was a very interesting exchange between Cassis, uh, who was uh, part of the Commission of Inquiry um, that produced the report that led to the referral, and the former prosecutor Ocampo, where uh, Cassis uh, criticized Ocampo for not wanting to go and investigate in the field for security risks. And that is before the warrants had materialized. So there was that criticism very early on. And of course, that even got more complicated after the warrants of, of arrest targeted the former president of Sudan and other political leaders. So indeed, they haven't been investigating for the most part in in Sudan, in Darfur, but the investigation could still go on without access to to, to the country. And uh, there has been, uh, I believe that the investigation team has been uh, finding other ways to collect information.
1: We should also remember that this um, arrest, um, these developments are all happening in the context of the huge revolution in Sudan, which was Almost exactly a year ago, even one of the people on the court's docket, Omar al-Bashir, the former president, is still wanted by the court for genocide. I know that he's faced some kind of trial in Sudan um, for corruption. Maybe he's been sentenced for a couple of years there. But I mean, do you think that this is now saying, "Whoa, the the, the space is now open that the ICC is now actually going to get somebody"? you know, of that kind of level, that kind of significance to come and face charges of genocide?
0: I think it restores hope that these cases before the ICC can go to places because, to be frank, many had given up on that investigation and on these arrest warrants long ago. So at least now, uh, with one of the suspects before the court, there is this renewed hope that these efforts are not going to waste. Whether we will see other suspects from the Darfur um, investigation before the court, that is the million dollar question. And today there is a briefing uh, by the prosecutor to the UN Security Council. And and I'm I'm very keen to see, to hear what the what the Sudanese uh, transitional government uh, will say about that, because you also recall that Earlier this year, they announced that they are considering transferring al-Bashir specifically uh, to be tried. Um, Well, they said that they are considering transferring ICC suspects to to the courts without specifying who. Uh, But this announcement was a bit vague. It was not clarified. um, And of course, it didn't go anywhere. Uh, they are still in prison uh, in, in in Khartoum. So, of course, there is a possibility that these suspects are transferred. And the prosecutor reminded uh, the Sudanese government in her statement yesterday that their warrants are still in effect. But, of course, there's the other possibility that the Sudanese government can prove that they will try him domestically for the same crimes.
2: Okay, Amal, thank you very much for talking to us and giving us an idea of the reaction to the to the um, transfer of KUSHAIP and a bit about what the challenges of the trial will be. We'll certainly keep following it and I'm sure we'll get back to you maybe even with the initial appearance.
1: Right. Thanks very much, Amal. Thank you for having me. This podcast was created and presented by Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. You can find show notes and additional blogs on asymmetricalhaircuts.com. Music is by audionautics.com and the show is available on every major
0: podcast service. So please subscribe, give us a rating and spread the word.